I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back, mamas. I have had the great joy of witnessing many, many women find themselves in the early days of motherhood. Over the past five and a bit years, I've coached so many women that I felt so connected with, especially in the early days when I was learning how to do this. I was going through my own matrescence of becoming who I am now. And these women would reach out and we would jump on Skype or in those days it was mostly Skype and we would talk through things. I would hold space for them. I would see their absolute heartbreak, their tears, their feelings of unworthiness and feeling lost. And slowly we would rebuild, find ways to honor the changes that they're going through. It has been such a privilege to share that with so many women. And it is such a joy to be able to reach out to some of those women and invite them onto this podcast now and talk about their own experience. Today's interview is with one of those mamas. Tara O'Kelly was one of the first mamas I coached many years ago. You'll hear in this interview, I was shocked when we realized it was five years ago. It doesn't feel like that long ago. She reached out to me in a very dark time in her life with a brand new baby, a toddler that didn't sleep and a marriage that had crumbled. And what I saw over the coming months and even years in this amazing, resilient mama is true grace. She found a way to connect with herself and how she wanted this story to end in the most beautiful way, her daily practices, her absolute commitment to her boundaries, to her belief that it was all going to be okay, helped her rise. And you will hear in her voice what has come from that. Enjoy. This is the Happy Mama Movement a weekly podcast dedicated to changing the conversation about what it means to be a mother and a woman in this day and age. I'm Amy Taylor-Cabaz, author, mama, and former journalist. After spending 15 years chasing news and burning myself out trying to be superwoman, I realized that I was chasing a dream that no longer served me and since then have dedicated myself to understanding the transition that we go through as women when our whole identity shifts with motherhood. 
every week, I will bring you the very best insights and inspiration I can find to help us all change the way we feel about this time in our lives and create a movement that allows us to honour motherhood differently. Tara, one of my favourite things to do now is to reach out to mamas that I have known for a few years that I've worked with through my work with Happy Mama and get them on the podcast because it feels like a bit of a reunion, which is lovely, but also is just the most beautiful insight for other mamas about the process that we go through, the journey we go through in finding ourselves. And I am so excited to start this, this reunion with you. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much. That's very kind. And it's a real pleasure for me to be here. Um, It feels like a real full, full circle moment for me after working with you so long ago to be back here and sharing my story with you and the other mamas. I know. And I have to say that actually I asked a group of mamas in one of my Facebook groups, who would you like me to interview? And it was another mama who said, I've always been inspired by that mum Tara that used to be in our program. So I love that. It oh, was- it feels so special. It just it took me <laughs> by surprise and it, it's really, really, really lovely. So the reason why both myself and this other mama wanted to hear your story on this podcast is because you have, like all of us, been through a phenomenal experience of uh, becoming, of awakening, of realizing what is important and true in your life through motherhood and also through a breakdown of a, a relationship, the father of your children. So, and in that have found this grace and this gratitude. So let's go back I think the best place for us to start is right before I met you, which was you were about to have your second child. And so just paint a picture for us. Who were you then? And what did you think your life was going to be once this new beautiful baby girl came along? Sure. So um, I had kind of had the textbook kind of life. I had met my then husband quite young as a teenager. We'd gotten married, um, started our life together. I had already had one child, a son who was two, his name's Harvey. And then I had always dreamed of having a little girl. I had been someone who, as a teenager, had her name picked out. I'd even I'd had a cupboard full of clothes bought for this imaginary baby that I was going to have one day because I just couldn't help myself. And then I found out I was pregnant as a bit of a surprise. And when I found out she was a little girl, it felt like all my dreams were coming true. I had this little family growing. I was um, working as a school teacher, some great friends and just a really lovely life. And then um, my little girl, Daisy, was born. It was, uh, it was just a, this phenomenal experience that has completely changed, changed me forever. And in the early few months um, after she was born, my life changed completely. Um, I had kind of had whispers as Oprah one of my favorite people says whispers along the way that something wasn't quite right and that um just I don't know that things weren't going as how I had planned and then when she was three months old my husband decided to leave um leave the marriage and um had actually been having an affair and had started a new life with his new partner um and I had to navigate having this newborn baby, a toddler who didn't, still didn't sleep 
really well at all. Um, and the heartbreak that, that, that ensued after that, um, mm. it was a really hard time because for the practicality sense, but also I just felt this immense um, worry and guilt that my sadness was, was kind of seeping into my baby girl um, at a really important time in her life in those early few months. So, yeah, mm. and that's when I reached out originally to you, Amy, and kind of where this, this kind of change started for me. I remember when we first started speaking, you would be, you know, feeding through our coaching sessions. You were so exhausted because Harvey wasn't sleeping either. Mm -hmm. You were this mama that was juggling these two beautiful but intensely uh, demanding just because of their age and where they were at children and your heartbreak at the same time. And it was it was not only this heartbreak of um, the reality, but it was also the heartbreak of the life you thought you had. As you said, everything had been perfect. It was textbook. It was exactly what you had hoped as a little girl your life would be, and then suddenly it was snatched away, and that was the real pain. Yes, absolutely. It was the loss of the dream more than the actual practical loss of a husband in that sense. It was um, this... This, this future projections and worries that I would never get the life that I wanted back and as well as obviously the loss of somebody that I loved. Um, so it was a real grieving process. And if I'm honest, it's a process that I'm still on and I wonder if it will be something that will continue my whole life, even if when I am in other relationships, um, it doesn't mean that obviously I'm, I'm still in love with my ex-husband, but it's, it's something that I think will be something that I kind of live with forever because it, yes. it changed me so much. And to put this into context, mm. how old is Daisy now? Yeah, she's five now, five and a half. Um, oh, about my to, gosh. About to start school, getting wearing school uniforms around the house. And um, No. Yeah, no. I know. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> it's been five years. It, it's Time plays such a, a weird role, doesn't it, when you're a mum? And it, in one sense, it feels like yesterday that this all happened. And on the other sense, so much has happened in that time that it's kind of hard to wrestle with in my mind the time frame but yeah five years so I'm going to just tell all the mamas listening my uh, experience of stepping into your life at that time if this is okay with you sure. I coached this is you would have been one of my first clients I coached mm. a lot of mamas in those years and um, the thing that stood out for me and still does about Tara and is obviously what another mama saw in you too and why she wanted to hear from you was that I remember right from the beginning of our conversations, you would say to me, I'm not going to let this define me. I'm not going to go into that rabbit hole of anger and resentment. And you'd say, my friends would want to bitch about him with me and I'm just not going to do that. You had such a strong sense of, I can make this what I want. You weren't going to be the victim. Right, right, right from the beginning. And I remember sitting on the other end of Skype in those days <laughs> thinking, man, I don't know if I'd be feeling like that if this had happened to me. But you had this grace right from the beginning. And that's why you reached out to me. You, you knew... I need to make sure that I take on the right story about this and don't lose myself in this grief and resentment and anger. 
Yeah, the messages I received from everyone around me, I'm very lucky that I have a wonderful support network of family and friends and 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 people did respect my boundaries and, and my choices, but I, I was continually bombarded with this message of revenge and what people would do if they were in my situation and kind of the messages you get from movies and culture and about betrayal. And I don't know really why I felt this way so strongly so so quickly, but revenge was not a path I wanted to go down. Um, of course, I had moments where I, I pictured using his golf clubs to smash up cars and all those <laughs> kind of things. But I, I, I obviously never acted on it, but I also never kind of let myself go down that road too much. Um, I don't know where I heard this quote and quotes have always been very, a real like starting point for me, but it was that um, you stand guard of your own mind. And I used to, I used to, when I got, got in kind of a rabbit hole of, of sorrow or misery or, you know, just feeling really woes me about life. And because at the time it was deserved, I, I, it was a, a really sad time. I would picture this um, old fashioned night in my mind, like literally standing in my brain, kind of like being the guard. And I, I would just say, no, stop Tara. You don't let anybody else into your mind. You control this. And I wanted to kind of hold myself to a higher standard as a way of, I used to say because I want my kids to look back and be proud of the way I acted. Mm. But I think it was more than that. It was just because I knew that that was what was right and true for me. Um, And, of course, I do want people to be proud of me and I want to look back myself and know I handled this well, but not really for the point of looking back just because I know that 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 is my truth. Oh, it's the definition of grace, I think. In my mind, this is what grace is. It's this holding yourself to the higher standard, like you said. And I remember you even talking about that guard. Uh, I had that vision in my mind as you were sharing it. And uh, I know that the way that you reached out to me, and I remember you also really began things like um, sewing and uh creating things in your life you knew you wanted to focus on the life you were creating rather than the life that you had lost and that's not to say my goodness you weren't heartbroken raising these two children on your own and the ongoing heartbreak that came from him and his new relationship I know that there was a lot of pain there Mm. it's not to say that you weren't untouched by this far from it but you chose what you would put your attention on And that's kind of the most powerful thing I would love all mamas to get out of this is that we have a choice on what we put our attention on, don't we? We do. And and I felt this real lack of control as someone who has always been the organiser, the list writer, the, you know, my kind of nickname in our friendship group is Super Chief because I'm the one that organises the weekends (laughs) away and the get-togethers and all that kind of thing. This lack of control of, of my whole life was something that, Uh, it could have spun me out of control and I knew it couldn't because I had this little baby in particular who, who needed me. And if I had let my mind go where it wanted to, I wouldn't have got out of bed again. And I would have just stayed at home and cried miserably for the next year of my life. And I, I allowed myself those days sometimes when luckily a newborn can just lie next to you and feed and sleep. And I did did have those moments, but I knew I couldn't go down that rabbit hole. So I made a choice that 
I had to find things for little moments of happiness. Even though I was extremely sad, I would find something. So I I was obviously at home on maternity leave. So I had some spare time and Harvey used to go to childcare a couple of days a week. So I would um, go for walks in the sunshine, just small things, but something that I knew would get me out of out of the hole that I was in. And that's when um, podcasts weren't really as big a thing then as they are now, but audio books were my saviour back then. And that's when I kind of got on that, that path of self-help in, in inverted commas of mm-hmm. listening to teachers and, and inspiration to kind of help me along the way. Because as much as I had wonderful support from my friends, mm-hmm. it wasn't in some way the support I needed because I felt like, I don't want to sound conceited, but that I was teaching them about how I wanted to be. And I felt like I needed someone to teach me um, how to move forward. I I didn't want to be always the one sharing the right way. Um, Wow. I love that. So I love that. It's like, yes, you surrounded yourself with the people that you most needed, even if that meant it was Oprah and your audiobook author friends. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I like to look back now and, and I, can rem- I can vividly remember pushing the pram or having Daisy in the carrier and just the sound of the pavement and just listening to these stories. Sometimes I would cry as I walked along in the back streets. No one could see me. Um, and it felt like I was walking with someone supporting me. Um, and I used to just write down quotes and write down things that I'd learned from listening as a way of just bolstering myself up. But the thing is, is that you are never alone. You are able to um, lean on the support of others, even if they are people you don't know uh, personally or physically. Mm -hmm. This is what we're able to do as mamas to help ourselves through these tough times. And I know you talk about this as your your intuition, the way that you really discovered your intuition through this time, because it was your intuition right from the beginning that you could do this differently. It was your intuition that led you to these walks with these books and these ideas of, I can change the way this affects me. So talk about what you feel intuition is now then. It's really just that simple feeling that, that inside goodness or wisdom that you that everybody has I feel like it's something that's so easily silenced or diminished by culture by by what we hear by our busyness by all of that and I think it I sometimes felt it was a bit of a a throwaway line in in all of this self-help stuff about listening to intuition and getting still and listening and it's not in I don't have moments where I sit and answers come to me. It's not that kind of feeling for me. It's more just, I literally can feel it inside my heart, you know, like it's mm-hmm. so corny, but I, I can feel like what feels right for me. And I, I've always been someone who has kind of followed that, acted in that way, I, I think. And this is the whole journey of motherhood, not only the heartbreak stuff, but the actual having a baby and growing life and being the person who is their number one has taught me that I do have a strong, a strong sense of self and I have a strong sense of what's right. Um, I had challenges before Daisy was born. Harvey had, um, has asthma and has had 13 hospital admissions and 
that really, I think, kind of set me up for what was to come because it, it forced me to be assertive, to stand up for what I knew was right, even if it meant going against sometimes what, you know, the health professionals had told us because it just didn't feel right for me and for my baby. So I feel like it's just that listening deep inside and knowing that, that you do, you might not have, um, what's the word, uh, you know, the qualifications, but the qualifications of being a mum and of being a, a person full of love is sometimes enough for, for helping you in the right way. Oh my goodness. I love the way that you said that. The qualifications of a person full of love. <sighs> because like we all are. Yeah. I, I just feel like that's what life and motherhood is. It's, it's so corny, but it's just love. And it's um, figuring out how we can use that the best way we can for whatever we need. And since all of this mm-hmm. has really cracked you open, made you who you are now, you've also completely changed your career path and have stepped into what feels to me like your calling and I'm sure you feel the same. So can you share with us what's happened there? Sure. So I, I was a very happy primary school teacher um, I love, loved and still do love being a teacher and I almost feel like that's um, a part of me, not necessarily my career. Um, but after I had Daisy and all of this happened, I didn't have a permanent job to go back to and the, um, I just didn't have it emotionally in me to go back and uh, work as a relief teacher and give myself to other people's children at that time. I was giving everything I could to my own. And uh, a dear friend of mine told me that she was going back to uni to study midwifery. And I just had this moment where I thought, oh, you do it, I'll do it. And mm-hmm. I, had n- I had absolutely no plans for the future. I, to be honest, at that time, I never even thought I'd, I'd graduate. I just was doing it for that first year. I had this, this real belief that I this was not how I imagined my life to be. And a few years ago, I would never have pictured my life to be how it was. So I'm not going to plan for the future anymore. I'm just going to live for what feels right for right now. And at that time, a challenge and um, giving something new a go was, was really um, exciting. And it was in a space that I felt really passionate about. I was one of those women who read all the birth books and was really engaged, loved reading birth stories, talking to to other friends about um, their experiences. And I had a wonderful birth with Daisy. It was a really empowering superwoman kind of experience. And I think all of that kind of culminated to me saying yes to this opportunity. Um, That was four years ago now. I'm about to graduate in about 55 days. Oh, wow. (laughs) So exciting. Um, Especially because it has been one of the hardest things I've done. It's a very intense degree and considering the other challenges I've had in life, it, it could have been easy to give up. Um, I'm so lucky that I have such wonderful parents who support, support me through this um, because it does feel like a calling now and I feel like it's a real culmination of my work as a teacher. People often say to me, oh, you've, you've gone for a real career change when actually it feels almost exactly the same it's working with families, it's building relationships, it's giving education. It's a lot of women. Primary school teaching was a lot of women. Midwifery obviously is based around women. And 
there's just a few more bodily fluids now. But other than that, I feel like... I feel Probably like, only a few because primary yeah, school teaching exactly. is still be dealing with bodily fluids. Exactly. So I feel like the essence is the same, but I feel a real power in this work and it's, it's, um, it's, it's wonderful. I just love it. And I, um, I feel really passionate about bringing this, this belief about the, the value of intuition into my work as a midwife because um, I, I feel so sad when I see, see these, especially first-time mums who feel so worried and feel so um, unsure of themselves, which I remember that feeling. I, I know what it's like and I just want to try and bolster them up as best I can to believe in themselves and their own, own you know, beliefs as a mum and that they know what's right for their baby. So even in those first few days in the hospital or hours even, I try to be very conscious of my language when I speak to women because I want them to have that ownership of their, of their baby because in the hospital systems in particular, you can see times where the midwife might very well intending um, correct the way the mum's wrapped the baby or said, no, it's not time to feed at the moment or no, we can't bath the baby today. And it's all such little things, but I think it sets women up to thinking that they don't know what's right. And they do. Mums can, from day one, you are the one that gets to choose when to feed your baby, how to wrap it, when to bath it, all the things, because it's your baby. <laughs> and um, and wow. it's just something I'm very conscious of that I want to try and foster as much as I can. Oh, please do. Because mm. in my work now with Mama Rising and, and talking to healthcare providers and practitioners and midwives and doulas and lactation consultants as well as just mamas who want to support other mamas these are the conversations we're having that we need to stop taking the power away and the intuition and belief away in these women and and bring it back to them i know with my first baby the words that were said to me in the hospital in those first few days totally broke me i thought that i wasn't doing a good job or knew what I was doing at all. So please, please get in there and make sure that these new mamas that are just coming into this journey of motherhood hear things differently. Um, it's really important. It is. And, and I think it, it can be kind of dismissed as not that important, but it actually sets them up for a whole, you know, their whole rest of their life as a mum. I, I was very lucky to have wonderful experiences, both just in the way um, I was looked after, but also actually giving birth. And I feel like that power that I kind of embodied has set me up on this path. I'm not sure if I'd had a different experience necessarily. I would feel the same way. And mm. so, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm so passionate about that whole, that whole process of, of helping women to, um, you know, step into that power because it's there. They've already got it. They just need to own it. Oh, that's it. That's it. And choose the story that they want to take into motherhood. And this is what I feel um, you and this podcast episode, I hope, has made really clear that we, we have this choice that life happens. Life happens. Sometimes the plans we have for life do not follow through. But everything can be happening for us if we choose to have that guard protecting our mind 
only allowing in the good things, really looking after and honoring ourselves and finding our own intuition, finding it in whatever way we can, even if that means listening to Oprah every day. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I think uh, another quote that always stood out for me was just take the next right step because I was in this whole whole like whirlwind of my life being out of control and I couldn't plan for what I wanted I didn't know what life was going to look like and so I just focused on what was right for the next moment and for the next choice that I needed to make and that that kind of kept me on the right path because it's easy to say that I um wanted to not choose revenge and to choose the truth and all of that but it that happened in small moments it's not this I didn't just decide on day one, I'm going to be the perfect, perfect, you know, um, scorned woman. It mm. was this choice in each moment. And I had to keep making that choice each time. And I think that's something that is, you know, is true for life in general. It's, you can't really plan for the whole thing. You can't take on every, every decision that you're ever going to make. You can just only do what's right for right now. That's right. In fact, that's for life, isn't it? As you said, just take the next right step. Amazing. I can't believe it's been five years. I I got a little bit emotional when you said you were about to graduate. In fact, by the time this podcast comes out, it's probably almost your time of graduation. So what a moment to celebrate you. you. And uh, I am in awe, but at the same time, not surprised at all that this is how it has turned out for you because I could see right from the beginning that you were always going to choose your own adventure with this <laughs> <laughs> and you you were going to honour your intuition and your inner power. So I am so grateful that you shared this with us today. Thank you, Amy. I'm, I'm so grateful for this whole experience. Um, just being connected has just it saved me. It really did. Whether it was with real life mums, with you as a as a mentor, or with those you know famous people that were listening in my ear, it's it's reaching out and it's in those moments just finding someone to connect with um, that will get you through. And I just I'm so grateful for all of the women that I've met along the way. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. As I said at the beginning of this podcast. It is such a privilege to come into these mamas' lives and see them rise like this. I am forever grateful to all of you for allowing me into your space, into your ears like Tara spoke about, into your life. I hope that this podcast is one of those things you reach for when you need someone else in your head when you need support to change your thoughts and realign yourself. I am deeply grateful for being that person for you. Until next week, Satnam. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.